welcome to the Eye Test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Eye Test podcast run by Hale Varsity photographer and staff writer. I'm Eric Francis. This is Brady. How are you doing today, Brady? You know, pretty great. Pretty great. Doing all right. We're scrambling a little bit today because the, the, the guests we had scheduled had to bail for various reasons. Some of them good and some of them not as not as justifiable, but at any rate. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're going to go on and we're going we're gonna to wing it a little bit today. Um, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit more photos today since we've kind of kind of haven't gotten there a lot. Um, so far, um, you had something you wanted to talk about, Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting getting into the photo side. There was, it's really interesting. I, I like to go through and look at the photos, look at the galleries after you and John and, and, and all of them are posted to kind of look through them, get a sense of the scene again, because as I'm writing my game story, I like to have the feel the vibes, the, the the scene and the aura of the game as I'm writing. I'm a very visual writer, um, trying to capture those moments in the same way that you capture them um, in in film. And there are just some that stand out, you know, just the ones not even between whistles, just ones from the game, from the scene. Um, we've gotten some from, like, the Unity Walk that look great. We've gotten some, um, like, on your way to the stadium, just getting, like... Um, the pictures of well now like the sun coming up and you kind of get it set up against Memorial Stadium. Um, I know that there's a couple of pictures, one in particular I want to ask about, but what's get me in, put me in your mindset because everything for me is preparation. How do you approach the game with your camera and how, what, what are you looking for right off the bat? Well, when I'm on the, when I, when I, not just when I'm covering like a, a football game, but it kind of applies to everything. When I pick up my camera, um, I'm looking for, uh, what's a good way to describe it? I, I'm kind of looking to, to take a Babe Ruth approach to, to shooting. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking for those home run shots. Um, and in doing so, you're going to, you're going to strike out some, right? Yeah. I, I like to, I like to really go for the memorable shot because you, and I'm always and I'm always shooting for the magazine, um, the website, and social media. Those we always wind up with plenty of shots to fill those areas. I'm always shooting with the magazine in mind, and what I mean by that is because we're a magazine and we only put ink to paper once a month. Um, by the time by the time our pictures are on the inked on the page and delivered in everybody's mailbox. They've already seen, how should I say, all the expected pictures. Right. So I'm always trying to to look for something a little more unexpected, and I'm really trying to drill down these days into to catching the vibe, not just always catching. Yes, you want to catch the important plays like in Rutgers and things like that, but also want to catch the vibe of the environment of, of the game. So I, I'm willing to risk and, and take a chance sometimes on, on striking out in a swing for the fence. And that happens 
what I consider striking out happens quite often, actually. Um, and and you just have you just have to be okay with that. It happened to me in my career, oh, about a, a decade, dozen years ago, where I, I started to get a little bit zen about it, in that if I if I missed a moment, not sulking over that or or, or getting too upset about because there's always going to be another one. There's always going to be another picture. Um, so if you if if you missed one, it was not that big of a deal. Just just try to keep pushing and do something great. Does that explain? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, do, yeah, go on. <laughs> if you if you have to finish your thought, yeah. No, I'm I'm trying to to decide what where else I want to go with that because basically I'm just I'm trying to make timeless pictures rather than timely pictures. Yeah, I want to make yeah. pictures that are going to be important over time rather than important today. Yeah. Um, and the, the byproduct of that is we, we still get those timely pictures, but I'm always looking for that timeless picture that's going to age well. Yeah. I mean, and especially now that's a very, almost two different arts because everything's social media, everything's immediacy. We can swipe through and have things on your phone like, Oh, that's neat. And then, you know, swipe through and don't give it a second thought. Whereas the pictures you're talking about are ones that, people get three weeks after the fact and say, wow, that looks good. And then kind of sits with them and then stays on their countertop for a while. And they look back at it and eventually, you know, it could be hanging up in the hallways of Memorial stadium or, uh, or here, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the studios and, and H quarter yeah, at the club. I mean, th- those are the ones that you put up that are like, you see that picture and it's a great photo entirely. And then you remember, it brings you back to that game, that moment that you know, the Trey Palmer one at Rutgers obviously is a great example of that. Right. That's that that when I, when I do my well now that the season's over for me, I'll officially wait until after. But I'll do my fall season wrap up that I like to do on on social media of my favorite pictures from from the season. That'll definitely be one of them. It might even be the it might be the top one. Yeah. Because that well maybe in hindsight maybe not, but at the moment. That was a very important picture, yeah. Because that could have been the moment the season changed. Yeah, was what I what I processed in those microseconds that everything happened. I remember processing that. Okay, this is not just key of the game. If this thing gets turned around, this could be the play of the season. Yeah, which it, it did that in that respect. It did not age well, <laughs> right. but it was the it was the play of that game. Well, and I remember us getting on that plane and, you know, coming back from Newark and saying, like, this, it felt like an entirely different season than it, than it yes. does now. Yeah. So, that was good. My leg was sore for a while. <laughs> and that Rutgers guy put his knee right into my thigh. I had to deal with that for a while. But it's not too often that as, as my body has aged, I've, I pick and choose those battles a little bit more, whether I'm going to stay in there or I'm going to bail out. Like if, like I told you that next day, if they had, you know, if it had been a 21 point game one way or another, I probably wouldn't have hung in there and taken the hit to get the shot. Um, but in the moment, in, and that's where the experience comes in. Mm-hmm. You know that in those microseconds, you're able to process that, you know, this is the play of the game. That this is it. Plus knowing Knowing that after a turnover, Whipple likes to take a shot. Yeah, I was already 
I was already a, couple, a minute, 60 seconds ahead of it, and that, okay, we just turned the ball over. He likes to take a shot. You know, be ready. Make sure the the cam, make sure the cameras are ready, and what's your game plan if it, right? Mm-hmm. So you walk through that stuff um, quickly in your head so that when it happens, you're you're a half a beat ahead of it, which helped out a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that helps. That helps. It helps. Do you want to jump in on the Garrett one, or do you have a? a no, we can talk about the Garrett one because as I'm, I still got it here and I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had some thoughts about it, or? Yeah, yeah. All right. For for listeners who don't know, um, we're recording this just after the Wisconsin game, um, just ahead of of Iowa in Thanksgiving week here, um, and you can see it. It's on the. I'm sure it's on the website. It's in our gallery somewhere along the line. You can find it on hailvarsity.com. It's just a picture that you got after the game of kind of the players were leaving and filing out, and you got one of Garrett looking back at the tunnel or looking back from back to the tunnel, looking back at the grander Memorial Stadium and the crowd still there, and quarterback Casey Thompson is walking beside him. Casey's facing the opposite direction walking out. And I think you and I have different lasting ideas of what this picture could mean implications and all of that. Um, but what, what went into, I'm going to stick around and get this picture. And then what were your immediate thoughts after take? Well, in that, you know, in that moment, as a, as a player is always walking off the field is a, is a good time to try and catch some of that. Unfortunately, has been a lot of disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, all season long, I've just always kind of kept my eye out for Garrett. Um, you know, we did that. We did the the cover of the, the the preseason issue, and Garrett was the cover of that. I got to know him a little bit. And all season long, he just kind of felt like the face of the team. Yeah. Um, so I've just always kept an eye out for him anytime I see him. So I think I've probably shot a picture of him after every game this year coming off the field just because he's, I don't know. He doesn't really hide how he feels about that moment, whether he was happy and jumping like a little kid off the field after what, when was that Indiana? Yeah. After Indiana. Indiana and he was running and jumping off the field. I even made a gif out of it and put it on my social media. And I think Aaron used it too. Um, cause he, he was just like, like like a kid in a not even a candy store he was just so excited and was so such a youthful expression of happiness that it was just really good to see from somebody who i personally think took on more pressure than was than was due him Mm -hmm. but he he tried to take it all on his shoulders and i and you could see that on his face all year so of course after this one i'm really looking for garrett where's garrett at and I see him coming. I kind of position myself so he's going to have to walk right at me. And I shoot him as he's coming off, walking next to Casey. And it, he's got this look on his face. And he's he's not looking at the tunnel, working where he's walking. He's not looking down at the ground. He's looking up at the stadium. Yeah. He's taking it. He was really just taking it all in, taking that moment in. And, and really soaking in what came across to me is what could be my last time in this stadium. Mm-hmm. And then and then as he walked by me 
and I followed him in and I, I just expected he was, I was going to shoot him and Casey's back as they walked into the tunnel. And then suddenly he just turned around and, and gave me that, that, I don't know. I still see a guy that was taking in what could be his last time walking off the field. Mm-hmm. Now that remains to be seen, but because there's a lot of conflicting information, right? But, if I if I take that moment, but I contrast it with the fact that he didn't walk senior day, uh, that's well, hard to think, right? It, to, to me, you look at his face and it looks conflicted, right? Yes, like like almost like he's taking it in because this might be the last time. Just to be like sick. he he's yep. making a conscious decision to take it in just in case mm-hmm. this is my last time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and for listeners. Um, we asked Garrett in the lead up during the week, I think it was on Tuesday, if he was going to walk at senior day. He said no, and then got flat out asked, is he going to come back and kind of did his Garrett, you know, I don't know, we'll see, and kind of like laughed and, and chuckled about it. Um, we've, you know, we, we've got, we've, we have a good relationship with Garrett, um, and he's been, he's not hiding anything. I think um, he has very, he has NFL aspirations and just, on a you know an, an unbiased natured standpoint, it wasn't the best breakout season for him to raise his NFL stock. Um, obviously, there's the the combine and pro day and everything to raise it, but he does have eligibility. He could choose to come back to Nebraska, and being a native Nebraskan means a lot to him. Playing for the University of Nebraska means a lot to him, and obviously, he's a team captain this year. That means a lot to him. There's just a lot going on, and there's just so much in upheaval. Um, he's bought into Mickey Joseph. It was really easy to do that, he said. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you're going to have a whole new coaching staff. Defense might look different. Maybe he doesn't gel as well with those, you know, just by human nature, you don't fit in it or don't um, brush as well with other people as you do some. So there's just a lot going on, which I think makes the, the photo more interesting. So this isn't like a, you know, pick the photo. Now, obviously – history will show maybe this time next year we look at the photo and say wow that was a good indicator but this is one of those instances where you just see to me there's so much like so much up in the air all everything going on soak in the moment soak in even Casey talked about it he walked for senior day this year because he didn't do it at Texas last year and he missed, he felt like he missed out on a lot. Uh, he didn't even get his letterman's jacket until this last year or this last week from Texas. So he's like, there's a lot of things that just from that season that he didn't get. And he's completing his master's degree in December. So he wanted to make sure that he got that opportunity. Now, Mickey Joseph told all the players, anyone who's remotely interested in walking, do it. You can always come back and do it all over again, you know. Um, and I think that they had like thirty some. I can't. I can't remember the exact like, number I off think, the top of my head. They I have, think I was told it was like thirty five. Yeah, like twelve seniors who exhausted their eligibility, plus another twenty three or so that just felt like they wanted to walk but have remaining eligibility. Now, obviously, we'll see how all of those turn out. But I, after the game, that photo stood out to me and was one that that's a really good case study of you can view a picture and have a different reaction and different people can react differently from it knowing the backstory or just taking it you know cold calling it basically and just pulling it up and looking at it i think it'd be really interesting to ask garrett yeah we're like Like, we should we should do it and just ask him what was going through your brain right here 
ex- explain this. Explain your mind to us. Yeah, what was it? What? Because and then it would put a really good context on it. Because I mean, he and he is—he's a very emotional guy. He's not. He, wear, he wears it he, all on his sleeve. I mean, one one thing that will always stand out to me is um, I was actually—I think it technically before I got this job um, when I was back on the farm and and helping with the house. Um, it was for media days, and Garrett said like it was about Scott Frost, and he said, "I know Scott would not want me to to say this, but said like." I care too much about him to not be worried about all the stress and, and weight on his shoulders. And obviously Scott Frost is, isn't a head coach anymore. It was, it just wasn't working out, but Garrett cares. He cares about everybody. Yeah. And, and, and in that case you could totally see, in fact, well, at least I could see it because I spent a lot of my time looking at facial expressions, body language, all of those things because of what I do and, and how I approach my job even that Oklahoma game, you could just see, like, it it didn't go down how he wanted mm-hmm. with Scott, but after it went down, like, you could just see a load off of off of Garrett's shoulders, and I think it also showed in his play, not just that 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 Bush changed up the defense and let him fly around and play a little freer, but that that Garrett just wasn't trying to be everything. You know, like early in the season, I felt like he was trying to do his job and two other jobs on the field. Yeah. Right. And, and that just wasn't going to work. And I think he was trying too hard to take it all on himself rather than just do your job. Yeah. And it, I th- and I'm sure it was for the players because I think a lot of the fans feel this way. Correct me if I'm wrong. You probably will on social media. Um, it, it became lofty and weighted. I mean, these have been really difficult years for fans, disappointment, apathy, whatever it is. These are young kids and they're playing. And like we've talked about, Garrett's a native Nebraskan. It means a lot to him to be in this position. And they haven't been as successful as they want to be, obviously. They've let games slip through their fingers. There's been bad calls either you know officiating or play calling or things that are just beyond their control that they could you know mm-hmm. that they they weren't equipped to stop and and you're at that point you're just left on a moving train you know with no brakes working so it's obviously there's one game left at the time of recording with Iowa and I and then there's a I think the bigger cases of personnel in the coaching department that happen afterwards it's it's just going to be a lot, and I think we're going to look back. I'd be curious. We can earmark it. If we look back on this photo in four months' time, what are our takeaways going to be from it? You know, Right. It'll be interesting to find out. Just, yeah. just that. It, it just, it's, really, it's really cool to me to look at it because it's even on background, right? Like Garrett is from Scott's Bluff. He is a Nebraskan. It's so much built within the fabric and identity of the state in general, the University of Nebraska mm-hmm. football team. Meanwhile, you've and, he, and he's on defense. He's one of the grinders, one of the edge rushers, the guys who muscles to make it work and happen. And right beside him is Casey Thompson, clearly a, a talented quarterback, but comes in, transfers in as part of this new fabric of trying to rejuvenate something in in the Scott Frost era. 
and immediately throws in, comes in, has the top spot, but takes his lumps during the year, and Nebraska doesn't get the wins and doesn't, it's not as a jolt of exciting offense as I think a lot of people anticipated it being under Mark Whipple. And I think that it means something to him for to play for Nebraska, but he's just going to walk back under that tunnel with Nebraska lit above it and not. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not, uh, if you're talking about Casey, it's not, yeah. it's not baked into his DNA. Right. Like it is Garrett, you know, born, bred, right. You, you're, you're, it was just part, it's part of it's baked into you in this state. And, and, and that that's a good contrast in that moment is that it's not, it's just another, I don't want to say it's just another team, but he just doesn't, it's not quite, it doesn't quite have the depth that it does for Garrett. It's not woven into the fabric right. of your part, DNA. It's not part of who he is. Yeah. Playing you know? for Nebraska means a lot to, to a lot of people. Oh, and it still does. And you know, people talk about, um, talk about the apathy and the youth in this state. And I think there's something to that. But I also think that, and Mickey has done a, a, a great job at this. And I think with the right coach who, who pays attention to in-state athletes, if that happens, I think you're going to see the number of in-state athletes that stay home and go to Nebraska go through the roof, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I mean, I look at my youngest who's, you know, he's a freshman in high school, you know, and he, he asked me one day, you know, dad, how would you feel if, you know, I got a chance to play at Nebraska? And I said, well, you know, personally, I would be thrilled to death about it. Cause then I get to like watch you play every, every yeah. Saturday. Cause I'm there anyways. Um, but to, you know, how, and I asked him, how do you feel about it? You know, because he's 15. He hasn't really known an awesome Nebraska football team. My 25-year-old has never known an awesome Nebraska football team. Um, But he he said, it would be awesome. And I'm like, so I think it's still there. I think there's still something, even though they don't have quite the same connection to it as we did when we were growing up, I still think there's something there to playing for your 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 hometown your home state school mm-hmm. and, and and you see that across the country right yeah. I don't care what pick a team take Ohio State and go I bet you if you dug in and look at how many how many Ohio kids are on their team it's probably more than not oh yeah even Cincinnati even Cincinnati I mean so I I think we, if the right coach just pays attention to in-state kids again I think you're going to see the number of them staying home go through the roof. Well, and, and I think I think you're right in that it's on to something because this is a, a thought I had um, kind of retracing steps a couple of weeks ago is there are multiple generations of Nebraska football fans that know national championships. They saw it happen. They saw them they saw some of the best dynasties college football has ever seen. Sidelines for it, so, yeah. <laughs> some of us were closer than others. Now you've got an entire this high school, even college students now at the University of Nebraska. You've got kids that basically know it through folklore. They haven't seen those national championships. They want a return to Asbury. They want their own national championships to to cheer for, whereas they're just hearing it from stories handed down from their fathers and and grandparents and 
and ants and right. retelling stories of I was in, you know, Nebraska was winning X game when I was pregnant with you, you know, right. and, and, and you, you were born three hours later. I think that that's a really exciting prospect well, is, also, is the idea of that hunger for something. And I look at the number like right now in, in the state, the number of kids who have been offered and are holding off on their commitment. Yeah. Right. Some ones and they're, they're holding off because they're waiting to see. Yeah. Right. Is this next coach going to be a guy that I want to play for? Is it going to be a program I want to play for? Is Mickey still going to be around? I think is probably, is probably a big one. So when when I look at that, the number of kids who are just kind of slow playing their commitment, oh, I'm going to wait till the season's over. Oh, I'm going to wait a little bit. It makes me think that a lot of kids are just waiting to say yes. Give me a reason to say yes. Absolutely. Right? And that could be super exciting. I think that would be a key a key thing to rejuvenate, like rejuvenate the, pro- not rejuvenate the program, but the fan excitement about it. If you get a bunch of kids now, we'll see how all of this ages, but, and, and we were just talking about it a little while ago about whether or not, whether or not Zane would flip. And I got nothing to base this on, but I just kind of have a feeling that he might be somebody else that wants to say yes. Yeah. Right. He's committed, verbally committed. But I think, I think someone like that with the right continued interactions with Mickey and whoever the new guy is, which shit, by the time this, this episode drops, we'll probably know. So new coach, I think has a fair shot. And you, but and you know you get someone like that, and you got a ready-made product to start as a freshman if necessary. And I mean, just look at the way, just look at the current roster. Like how excited the fans got when a local kid got in the game. Yeah, it means a, a lot. It does mean a lot, and which which goes back to the reason that everybody wanted Scott, right? The the you know a local kid. And it, it'll go a long, long way to 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 re-exciting the fans if you could have that local kid come in and and be a, as amazing as we all think he's going to be. Yeah, and you, and you see it with a couple of the the local prospects and recruits who mm-hmm. kind of they they thought Nebraska really wasn't for them, and then the coaching change happened, and now they're thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll I mean, go and see. I mean, just little things like seeing seeing Rayola show up at a couple at, at a couple games on the sidelines. You're like, it's nothing. He's got out no of the, reason in the world to well, show up. It's nothing out of the ordinary. Happens all the time. But even just that little bit of hope. But it just makes just you, it just makes of, you think, though, doesn't it? Just that little. You know, Honestly, I don't think there's a chance in the world because I don't know that. I, I, don't, I don't. Dylan, yeah, Dylan might be set in his ways, but Dayton, the freshman, Dayton, maybe Dylan, I think is set only because he probably won't be happy when his uncle is uh, <laughs> no longer there. Fair, fair, right? Because that'll be you're a coach that comes in that 
position coach number one to yeah. get changed. Now, whether he it's was, his fault or not, I mean, we we can have the discussion whether he was just hamstrung by numbers and recruiting and did the best with what he had. I think you can easily make that argument. But just guilt by association, that's going to be the first position to get. Yeah. Well, to, ne- get, to get axed. Next man up mentality, you got to be ready to go. And those yeah, but you could just weren't ready. It depends on who those next men are. True, very right? true. And not just not just who they are, but how they've been developed. That's right. You know, we talked to Steve and 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 I and I listened to other like other former Nebraska linemen on both sides of the ball, and I listened and I picked their brains and and asked them what they're seeing. And it's a lot of developmental stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you see the uh, Nebraska offensive line get off the bus, and you go, "Whoa, yeah, them some big dudes." They look as good of a they football team as you look, think. right? Yeah, but because they haven't been developed with in the weight room correctly, with technique things and assignment things, and they, it's it's not all their fault. Right. Yeah. So when I hear people say, oh, my God, they're just horrible. They can't play. They're, you know, they're garbage. I always push back a little bit at people saying, OK, the players. are Now, if you want to talk about the offensive line as a as a unit, as its own entity. Yeah, they're horrible. But those individual players. Remember the stars that some of those guys had when they were recruited. Right. right? And everybody wanted them. Mm-hmm. Right, so if you say that Nebraska missed on evaluating that talent, well, then so did Ohio State, so did Iowa, so did because some of these guys were wanted by other big blue blood programs. Right, right. So if you're going to say that Nebraska missed on evaluation, then you also have to say that everybody else evaluated them wrong too, which I think is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. You know, I always go back to the Occam's Razor thing. You know, which is more likely? that everybody missed on the evaluation or Nebraska just didn't develop them correctly. Exactly. And Mickey touched on that last week. And it's one of the things he stressed is when he goes out recruiting, like, I mean, he retold the story of recruiting Justin Jefferson and said, if I would have listened to somebody who said, this kid's got no stars, he's a two-star receiver, 2000th rated recruit in Louisiana, he would have never got him. And now look what Justin Jefferson's doing. I mean, you, you give him the time and energy and develop him that takes you a long way. It's one of the reasons why they offered um, the, the Fayard kid from Texas, um, the the quarterback. He's he, the only other offer he's got is from Northwest Northwestern State. Now he's been recruited by Texas and Alabama and Oklahoma, but they haven't offered him a scholarship. And because Mickey said, like, I want I want kids with grit. I want somebody who can finish a play. And that and that circles back around to uh, you're going to hear over the course of this podcast, hear me talk about grit and toughness and all of those intangibles a lot. Like we were just talking about with Damon when he wandered in here earlier, that in the last several years, this, this concept has been growing in my mind and I I'm set in on it more and more every day. And I watch what, you know, what, what Damon's doing over at West side where my kid is. And I just have this overall philosophy is if you if you recruit good young men and you turn them into better young men if you if you're I guess what I'm saying is if your focus is on building better young men 
football will take care of itself. Correct. You won't have to push them into the weight room. You won't have to make them go to film study. You won't have to push on any of that stuff because they're just going to do it because it, it's the right thing that needs to be done. And that's how you do it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we've touched on before that I think Tom was amazing at. For those of you that don't remember, I'm talking about Tom Osborne. <laughs> but I think Tom was amazing at. And if you talk to the former players, very rarely do they talk about like his play schemes and and things like that. They talk about how he dealt with them on more of a interpersonal psychological level. Like Tom's focus was always to build better young men. You did that through football, but by doing that football took care of itself. Yeah. Um, And, and I'd like to see some of that, not some of that. I'd really like to see that focus come back. And I think Mickey gets it right. If you recruit outstanding young men, you could teach them how to play the game. You can make them bigger and stronger in the weight room, but you get back to that grit thing and you know, you'll hear other former um, who I was listening to one of the former linemen and I don't remember who it was now, so I don't want to misquote, but they were talking about how, how the offensive line in the nineties, most of those offensive lines wouldn't currently be recruited under the quote unquote metrics. Right. Right of what you're looking for in alignment because you know Aaron Taylor was undersized but he did okay for himself yeah he's all right right he's all right and and because what they were they were just looking for kids that could play yeah right and had that grit and that toughness and that some of that beanness to just play the game and size didn't matter Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in fact, some of some of some are arguing that the offensive linemen now are almost too big for a running game. Yeah. Right. If you're going to be a primarily passing game team, you want that big, huge guy with those super long arms. Yep. Wingspan. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you want to run the ball leverage, you need those guys that can get low. You need those those low, strong guys that can just play. Yeah. And, and so I'm hoping that that's a key portion that we don't get lost with, with the next coach. I'm, I'm just hoping we don't get lost in, in X's and O's again. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't get lost in the number of stars a kid has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I, th- I th- because I, it's, it's so, it can be so distracting. Yeah. Oh my God, a four star kid. Well, tell me about the kid. Yeah, like you, what kind of kid is he? He's got four star right? potential. Did is he just was he just born a physical freak, or does he spend all the extra time in the weight room? Does he spend all summer long doing drills and things to make him a better athlete? Does he grind it? What, what kind of grades does he get? Yeah, right. Like that. What kind of grades a kid gets is super important. One because it's not that. F- freaking hard to get good grades in high school it's just not you just have to do the work yeah it's and it's not even hard work just do just do what's expected don't you don't have to excel if you just do what's expected you'll graduate high school with a 3.0 without even trying 
Yeah. I know, because I did it. <laughs> I was actually, a, I graduated with a 3.5. And I didn't even try. I just did the work that was expected. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to see a return to some of those, some of those intangibles that translate onto the football field in a different way. Yeah, because I think, Mickey touched on it a little bit um, last week when he said um, one thing he's learning about the Big Ten coaching outside of the SEC or SEC footprint for the first time in in a significant number of years is the SEC covers every square inch of the football field if you watch a conventional SEC game. Big Ten, it's a phone booth game. You're playing in the trenches. You You can bust up a run wide or get out, you know, out wide. But these last, you know, the the big push at the end of the season for Nebraska has been played against some big physical teams that just run it right at you. And it it really doesn't seem like they're as well equipped to deal with that versus the rest of the Minnesotas, Wisconsin's, Michigan's especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the SEC, you watch those linemen. They're more athletic than you could believe on those bodies, and that's great. But he's also recruiting and this as a staff is recruiting kids with size, but they they can develop, they can get them in the weight room and use the, the great state of the art facilities that Nebraska has now and will have with that new facility to give them conventional and applicable weight distribution and, and machines and strength because the, the fanciest machines don't mean anything. It doesn't apply to what you're doing on the field. What you're looking for is functional strength. Exactly. Right. And that's the big bend, the big push lately. I lately last five to 10 years is getting back to functional strength. Right. And it goes, and I, you can circle that all the way back to the glory days of Nebraska, why they kept choosing them farm boys yeah. because they weren't just big and strong, but they had functional strength, right? Like mm-hmm. You go throw some hay bales around and, <laughs> you know, lugging, you know, five-gallon buckets full of grain and, and all that kind of stuff. That's functional strength and leverage, you know. And there was a reason that those boys were so valuable because they had that functional strength. It wasn't just weight room strength. And I think there was a 25-year period there where – they tried so hard to like six million dollar man these kids in the weight room. Yeah, right. We yeah. can build them bigger and better and stronger, and they lost sight of of it of it having to be functional strength. If it doesn't make you a better athlete, then it's not really serving you. And I think that's one of the things we run into with the Nebraska. I think their their development of of the big guys in the last four years has been has been centered in 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 making them stronger, faster, bigger, but it didn't necessarily make them better athletes in the way that you need on the offensive line. Yeah. Hip mobility, being able to turn and move quickly. I mean And I still got those little the calluses up there from carting those buckets. And I tell you what, when I played that eight eight man state championships are happening right now, I can tell you right now, when I got on the field, the eight man, I looked at that guy lined up next to me and I said, This guy's taking food off my table. (laughs) And I'm a and I'm gonna eat him up. Yeah. That's he ain't gonna beat me. Yeah. And I I remember when I because you know, when I was growing up, we still had the family farm up by Norfolk and when we would go up there and and 
you know, my cousin would get me up. Okay, we got to go do some chores. I'm like, all right, let's go. Because I was in the weight room and I was like stronger and shit, squatting a million pounds and benching, blah, blah, blah. But then we go out there and, you know, I grab these five-gallon bucket pails full of, full of you know, oats or something. Yeah. And we got to carry them, you know, 100 yards down there. I'm like, let's go. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the day of throwing hay bales around, my back never hurt so bad in my life. Yeah. Right. And you, that's, that, that's just the functional things that, that make a huge difference. Cause I can tell there were, there were certain lifts and, and weights that I did where I'm like, Oh man, I don't think I can get this. But there were other ones where it's like, put, you know, put another rack on, let's go just because it's a different set of muscles that you're, mm-hmm. that you're used to doing. And I mean, I mean, we could wax poetic about how they need to get them farm kids back in there, but it's worth knowing again, going back to the Garrett photo, it means a lot to these Nebraska kids that get an opportunity to play the Phelan Sanfords of the world. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing that they're going to do what they can to make the most of the opportunity. Now I don't, can you win a national championship with just Nebraska kids anymore? No. I don't think so, but you, you get them where it counts and that mentality, that drive, make sure they feel and show that they aren't going to be beat. That kind of thing is contagious. And I think we've seen the last couple of weeks and where the trajectory is with the current interim head coach and people on staff that kind of embrace that mentality. And it's really curious to see what the players do with it after all this change and the dust has settled. Yeah. Because we'll know in a, we'll, we'll know in a few weeks, I think, because I think after all that's announced, we'll start hearing who's coming back and who's not. And it's going to happen fast, and I can tell you right now, I'm kind of looking forward to us sitting down and talking about it here at the mic because we're going to have no shortage of things to talk about. That's for sure. Well, on that on that note, where are we at? On that note, we can we can probably wrap up today's cast. I'm hoping to um, hoping to get with a, f- a photographer friend of mine from California who I've known for a number of years. Uh, when he would come in every year to cover the Cosworld series. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit, a little bit of photos with Matt if I can get him in here, or not get him in here, and we'll have to get him on the phone. But so, but uh, barring that, we'll wrap up the the eye test for this week. And thanks for listening in. Make sure to uh, hit that subscribe button and and hit the little uh, alarm button to make sure you get a notice when it drops. I'm Eric Francis. This is Brady. Have a have a good week. Happy holidays. <laughs>